If your nonprofit has a budget of less than a million dollars, you're not small, you're actually typical. And there are specific fundraising techniques that you can use to have an impact. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich of the Fundraising School, and this is the first day from the Fundraising Schools. Today, I'm joined by my good colleague, Bobby Donahue. Bobby is a veteran fundraiser, and while she has raised for some larger national organizations and universities, she also has a lot of experience at the grassroots level with smaller nonprofits, and she brings that expertise to our course fundraising for small nonprofits. And Bobby, thanks so much for being with us on First Day from the Fundraising School. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. I have a real heart for the small nonprofit. And you know, when you look at the data, as you said, there are about 1.5 million nonprofits and about 75% of those have budgets less than a million dollars. Yeah. So somebody says, oh, my budget's only a half a million, only a quarter million, sometimes only 80,000 or something like that. Uh, and that's actually very typical in our sector, but there are also some very specific techniques then for those quote unquote smaller nonprofits. As you teach this course, what stands out for you as major themes that small nonprofits need to be aware of? Well, I think one of the major themes is that everybody thinks they have to do it by themselves. And there's so much that they're doing. They're taking on programming, they're doing the newsletter, they're managing the board, they're trying to fundraise. With all this stuff piled up on their desk, fundraising somehow pulls off and falls over. So when they get to their office, and they see this hat tree with all these hats they have to wear, sometimes you can get someone else to help you with that, and that's where your board and your volunteers are critical. And one of the things I hear is, why take the time to train the board? I could get it done myself. And you know, the first time, that's probably true. What about the second and the third and the fourth time? Then you can just turn it over to a well-trained volunteer, and you can move on to the more important critical issues that only you can handle. I need to hear about this hat tree. What is the hat tree <laughs> to small nonprofit, and how does that tie into fundraising? Well. As you go into a small nonprofit, there's a lot of things to be done. And each one of them I look at is a hat. Mm -hmm. So you got the tree back there and you're taking off, you're putting on your editor hat and you're doing the newsletter. You put the editor hat back and you're putting on uh, your cleaning hat because you have to sweep the floor. And then you put that one back and then you put on your suit coat and you're hanging on the hanging tree and you go meet with the donor. Whatever it is you have to do, you know, there's all these hats back there of things that have to be done. Maybe you're even doing programming. Uh, and trying to balance all of those things is just a real challenge. And for me, the best thing to do, now I'm a very linear thinker. Mm -hmm. You do A, you do B, <laughs> is a plan. And that can protect you in a lot of ways because you'll have people come say, oh, I had the, went to the best vet and you know, we should do that in the next week. All you have to do is find a musician. Well, if you've got a plan, you say, well, that'd be great. Uh, if we do that, we should have mailed out invitations two months ago. And here is what I'm doing. What would you like me not to do because there's still only 40 hours in a week? So having that idea of what we want to do and involving others. In all nonprofits, we need 100% board giving. We need our board members providing prospect lists and introducing us to others, hosting events in their homes, their places of business and places where they associate. This is especially true for our smaller nonprofits, Bobby. What advice do you have for them? Oh, absolutely. And the biggest thing is to ask. Ask for help. Come to your board meeting saying, here's our plan for the month. Here's where I could use your help. And, you know, there are some board members who are not going to be comfortable mm -hmm. asking for a gift. That doesn't mean they should not be involved in board 
fundraising. Every board member should be involved in fundraising in some way, and that can be opening the door, calling and making the appointment, going with you and just telling their story. May, and when they get more comfortable, and they will, then they'll be ready to make the ask by themselves. But that's all part of the training process when you take a board member with you and say, okay, these are my three top board members, know the mission, are passionate, have already made their gift, right. make their gift first, and then they can tell their story and ask people to join them when they go out with you to make the ask. But so many folks will say, oh, we're just glad for what we've got. If you don't ask for more, you don't give a better opportunity to make a big difference. This is not about the money. And that's something else people forget. Bobby, what about other groups of people? I mean, obviously board members are volunteers. What about my other volunteers? What about some of my longtime donors who are close to me? Can we recruit them to help us in an agency-wide fundraising effort? Anyone who loves your mission mm. and can tell that story can be involved in fundraising. So it doesn't just have to be the board. It can be anyone who comes in and says, let me tell you why I got involved. There's a person you want to talk to. Uh, people who have a history of continuing to grow their gifts. Those are people you can talk to. Now you talk about growing gifts. And again, when, for a one person shop, uh, it can be so easy to just be satisfied with the gifts that we're receiving. And of course we're grateful for those gifts. But as you know so well from your own experience, let alone our curriculum, is when people start giving to us many years in a row, that's a lot of philanthropic love. And we have room to invite them to upgrade their gift. What do you see amongst smaller nonprofits? Are they kind of staying at the base of the pyramid and do they need some encouragement to maybe move towards some of those upgraded gifts so that they can grow? Absolutely, absolutely. They get comfortable with where they are and it goes to the fear of asking because they think about it from a money point. You are making a change. Every nonprofit is making a change in the community. They're making a change for the better. And these people who are continually giving you money want you to make that change. They're making that investment so you can change, the, make the changes in the community they want to see. So when you talk about that, it's not about the money. And then frequently I've had donors say, what do you need? You have to be ready to say, well, in order to increase the number of people we serve, we'll need this much per participant, or we need this much money to provide the programming, the equipment, whatever it is you need. But you have to give them an opportunity to invest in the change they want to see. And we're not saying that this is easy. And, and actually, there are even a couple parallels with the business sector. Think about that, that new restaurant that opens up, and they're always packed. And, but then they end up closing. Why? Because they needed that second infusion of money from an investor or a loan of some sort so they could grow. Many of our small nonprofits are in the same situation, that you're doing well, and now you need that next infusion of financial support to be able to grow even further. So that can be hard while you're busy with successful programs to, to meet with those donors and ask them for upgraded gifts. But folks, that's the secret sauce. That's how these smaller nonprofits grow over time, is to build that donor base and ask people for upgraded gifts over time as they continue to welcome new donors in with help from a lot of people. Bobby, what is possible for a small nonprofit? I mean, the fundraising school is part of Indiana University. Yes. And, you know, people hear about a, a big university having a multi-billion dollar campaign. And, <laughs> you know, here I am with my $200,000 budget and the only staff member I have is the one I see in the mirror every morning. What is possible for our small nonprofits? This is, again, back to planning. Dreaming is so important. 
as you see the need grow for your services, you have to approach your fundraising in the same way. So by looking at what your donors are giving, how they can grow, and just talking to them. Talk to them and find out what they want to invest in. It'll make a big difference. So uh, I worked for a small organization that wanted to do a special program. And they talked about it, and they talked about it. One year we put it in the strategic plan for three years out because we shared that dream with our board. Mm. That dream was fulfilled within 24 months. If you don't share what you're dreaming about, people can't buy into the dream and see the possibilities. So I'm back to planning. Plan annually, but also do a strategic plan that invites people to come together. And don't worry about opening up the newspaper or you know, turning on your <laughs> tablet and seeing the news and some big university receives a huge gift or you know, a health or cultural organization uh, receives you know, some six or seven figure gift. We celebrate those gifts to those organizations and if you can recruit that type of gift to your small nonprofit, that's fantastic. But our good friend Jim Morris, who's on the IU Board of Trustees, a mentor of mine, he likes to say leadership is about seeing your opportunities, your opportunities, in their greatest context. And you, know, you think about a gift range chart, a $250,000 budget, you'd say, do you have a $25,000 gift? Or do you have a pair of $12,500 gifts? And then cascade down from there. If you think in those terms, Bobby, it seems there is possibility for these there, There's absolutely possibilities for those kinds of things. And again, it's about sharing what that vision is and what people, what changes people want to make. And, and you can build from that bottom, but remember that large gift somebody asked for. And when we look at what the universities are raising, there are a lot of people asking. But if you don't ask, people won't know what the need is and they won't understand the difference that you're making in the community. And again, Bobby's largest word of advice is you don't have to do this alone. Enlist your board, other volunteers, donors, people who care about your organization. They can help expand your fundraising reach. We have this course, Fundraising for Small Nonprofits. It's so popular, we now offer this four times in our public courses, and we take this course on the road. We've actually taught this in many locations across the United States with institutional funders, a, a community foundation, or some sort of sponsor will bring us in on behalf of local and regional nonprofits. We can do that in your region as well. So information about this course and all of our courses is online at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the Fundraising School. And you also learn about our quarterly webinars, these weekly podcasts, and all of the resources that we can bring to you from the Fundraising School with our outstanding faculty, people like Bobby Donahue, who they know the curriculum, they know the research, but like you, they have lived it and they are living this, and they can help you apply these learnings for your fundraising success. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and you now are up to date on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.